Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund and Restore the Mississippi River Delta. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore the Mississippi River Delta. Hello, Simone. Welcome back. I I missed you last week when we had our little conversation with Glass Half Full. (laughs) I think about every time somebody says that, I think about Office Space where he's like, well, Bob, I wouldn't say I missed you. (laughs) So, But yeah, what an interesting topic that you covered without me. I know we covered a lot of ground, but basically, if you're looking for a place to put your your glass, um, highly recommend Glass Half Full in New Orleans. And it's exciting to see some of the work that they're doing um, in terms of potential demonstration projects to see how that material can be used for the coast. So just another uh, really cool insight into someone uh, that's thinking about our issues and and their work. But you were very busy advocating for our coast at our nation's capital. during Washington Mardi Gras. I know there was um, a lot of really great meetings and and events that happened there. I know one of our partners was featured. So, you know, tell our listeners about Washington Mardi Gras and in particular this year, you know, what what happened and and kind of why was it a good opportunity to put our coast front and center? Yeah, well, I got on a plane for the first time in years, literally, which is pretty unbelievable to say, but um, it was first time back in Washington in in a long while. And um, it was good to get back. Things are certainly very, very different, um, as you can imagine, as they are here, um, but there as well. And so, you know, Washington Mardi Gras has this kind of um, mystique to it, which is which is also um, what the crew there is called. Um, and so it's um, it's a business opportunity, networking opportunity. It's a time to see um, the congressional delegation. It's time to see, you know, committee staffers if they were still working. Um, and then and then there's also obviously a huge social part. I, I don't stay for all of that, but but I hear it is a really good time. Um, and, and, you know, pretty authentic to bringing Mardi Gras to Washington, D.C., even though they're like um, parade is just um, them walking around, which is a little different. But I, I, they still had um, all the marching bands and and those things. So while, um, it, like I said, it does have a very social aspect to it, it is really a chance for a lot of um, folks from Louisiana to go up there to talk about Louisiana, um, to talk about our challenges, talk about the opportunities, and really try to connect with some folks um, that care about Louisiana. That's awesome. And um, Coalition Restore Coastal Louisiana was honored. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, they uh, certainly um, they were featured um, in several different ways. They they did receive some um, donations um, from some um, big industry groups. But then on Friday, um, one of the kind of um, centerpiece events is economic development luncheon. And this year, um, a Congressman Graves was the captain of the crew. Um, and so he, um, he wanted to add a philanthropic aspect to that luncheon. And so additional dollars were raised and they, um, donated that to our partners at CRCL. They also featured a video, 
um, of CRCL um, showcasing some of their good work too. So um, nice for a first initiative to feature Louisiana's coast was really important. So um, that was a nice touch on their part. Very cool. But now you're back at home where real Mardi Gras is progressing. I know that um, yes. the crew of Trubacus was over the weekend and some yes. of our colleagues yep. marched in it and attended. So that's very exciting. And, and hopefully you're getting more king cake as well. So yesterday, um, the weather's been kind of, you know, dreary here. It was really, really cold last week and wet. But yesterday, Jacques was one of those first like Mardi Gras days. If you know what I'm talking about, absolutely blue skies, you know, 55 degrees. It, and so um, today looks like it's shaping up to be a similar day. But it's days like that that remind me the most of Mardi Gras, yeah. um, just kind of the temperature and and those things. And so it's um, hopefully going to get exciting around here very soon. Very, very cool. Um, well, I am taking advantage of the winter. I, I went skiing over the weekend <gasps> in Minnesota. Can you believe we have ski slopes? They're not quite, you know, Colorado or Lake Tahoe. That's but... what I would mean. That's what I would mean. <laughs> I mean fun. that level yeah. of. <laughs> They're, uh, you know, extreme hill, I guess, skiing, you know. So, <laughs> that's that's my style. <laughs> yeah. And I've been, you know, of course, getting into the Olympics and we have the men's figure skaters. I don't know if you've watched Nathan Chen, but he's incredible. And then some of the other figure skaters, Jason Brown, who's another American figure skater. Um, but that's been fun. So, yes, yeah, making it through the winter with with winter activities and then watching the winter Olympics. Are you into curling shock? Do you get it? Do you know what that's? I like? haven't been watching curling, but I've been talking to some friends. Apparently there's a place not far from here where yeah, you, you can go curling. That, yes. So I was going to say, you would think that the weather is ideal there for that type of, um, I think that'll that be our next winter activity. So I'll report back on my first curling experience and how it went. <laughs> um, but yeah, it should be fun. But well, let's not delay anymore in bringing back a very uh, we, special- ha- we actually have a guest. Let's <laughs> She's amazing. Let's talk to her. A very special guest who's been on the show before and, and is here to share yes, some yeah. exciting news with us. So why don't you go ahead, Simone, and tell us who our guest is today? Yes, I am more than happy to introduce or reintroduce Lindsay Cooper back to the show. Lindsay is a policy advisor for the Governor's Office of Coastal Activities, and she was on the show almost four years ago when she was a fellow in the um, Governor's Summer Program, which have we've had so much fun with um, since then. And so um, as an alum and as somebody who's doing really great work um, still for the governor's office. We are so thrilled to have Lindsay back on the show. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Great to be back with you all today. So, Lindsay, you just get to hear me and Jacques chit-chat, and <laughs> like like as if we're on a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> now I want some key Yeah, things. exactly. Good point. Yes, I, I had a conversation with some Baton Rouge folks about getting a Dongfong in, in Baton Rouge and how hard they work to secure. So on my next visit to Baton Rouge, I'll be sure to bring you one. Um, but so we, it's been a while since we've talked to you. So, um, you know, professional stuff aside, how are you? How's everything been? Everything's been great. You're right. It has been about four years since I've been back on the show with you guys. A long four years. Right <laughs> I know. We were, uh, <laughs> Lindsay and I were chatting before the we started recording just about her last uh, time on the show. We were actually in a studio. Simone, can you remember? Uh, oh, can you imagine geez. that when we were in that studio? Yeah, where I was and, always late. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. recording. Was, <laughs> I'm still late. Yeah. I'm in my house and I'm still late, which is funny. <laughs> totally different world and so much has happened, but great to have you back. So Lindsay, tell us a little bit, um, the last, well, the last year, but the last week in particular has been 
um, a really momentous year for Louisiana. But first, I want to hear a little bit more, remind folks in case they didn't hear the last episode. Tell us about your background and how you came to have your role at the Governor's Office of Coastal Activities. Absolutely, Jacques. I am a native Louisianan, born and raised in Mandeville, Louisiana. And I'm a Tulane graduate. I have dual degrees in the environmental and political sciences. My research focused on environmental policy and marine biology. So I've always been really interested in this intersection of science and policy, which is perfect for the coastal space in Louisiana, and just the need for sound science to inform policy decisions. And through my research fellowship and experience in the nonprofit, I really realized how central um, governance is and meaningful change, which, as Simone mentioned, then led me to a fellowship with Governor Edwards um, back in 2018, and then a, a permanent position as a policy advisor in the Coastal Office. And over the, the past year, because of the impacts of climate change to the coast, to coastal erosion, and the higher frequency and intensity of disasters, our team has been fortunate enough to spearhead the Governor's Climate Initiative. And that's where I've served as project manager and focused my work for the past year or two. So let's get into that, Lindsay. I mean, that that is certainly so momentous, especially for a state like Louisiana. How do you even begin to kick off something like that? And and then maybe walk us through the process a little bit, how you started. Um, tell us about all the work that was in the middle. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more after that. Sure, sure. So this is Louisiana's first effort to address the root causes of climate change, which is greenhouse gas emissions. And this all started back in February of 2020. The governor announced his second term priorities right after the election. And one of those was developing a climate action plan that sets us on a path to reach net zero by 2050. And the way that he wanted to do that was develop a task force, a climate task force that would inform balanced policymaking around the solutions that we would pursue to reach those goals of net zero by 2050 of our greenhouse gas emissions. So over the past two years, um, really the past 15 months, so we started this work in February of 2020, as we all know, COVID and then just the slew of hurricanes that hit Louisiana in both the spring, the summer, and then the fall of 2020, our effort didn't really kick off until November of 2020. So from November of 2020 through the end of January of 2022, um, up to last week, actually, we were in very rapid development mode of a climate action plan for Louisiana. So that's what we've been up to the past 15 months. And I can say that it is successfully wrapped up as of uh, February 1st. Lindy, do you feel, do you see how big of a milestone this is and how big of a major accomplishment it is for the state and our people? Just, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying like you don't appreciate it. I'm saying that because you were, had to work so hard and head down and get so busy. Y'all feel that though, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's such an incredible work for Louisiana to take initiative on. Our greenhouse gas emissions are so unique from any other state in the nation uh, where we have such heavy industry in Louisiana as a large amount of our emission profile. So we didn't have a lot of examples to follow in developing our climate action plan. 
So we've had to pave a lot of the way for ourselves over the past um, two years. And we've just had great experts who have informed our work and the encouragement of other states who have also been developing climate action plans. But to have the first climate action plan in the Deep South is pretty remarkable. And we're very appreciative of the governor's leadership on this work. Yeah. Always love when Louisiana can lead and be first. And then, you know, Louisiana has been such a leader on the coastal restoration and protection front and climate adaptation front. So really exciting to see its leadership here as well. Um, Lindsay, you mentioned it, but so the climate task force was charged by Governor Edwards with developing the plan. Um, tell us a little bit about the climate task force, who, who sits on it and, and some of the groups that are represented. As you mentioned, Jacques, it was the Climate Task Force was set up by Governor Edwards. Their main mission was to develop a plan for Louisiana to attain net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Um, and that is what we've called our climate action plan. It's that set of recommendations to attain net zero. And our task force is a it's a 23 member body that brings together a diverse group of stakeholders who often don't sit at the same table together. So we have state agencies represented but we also have industry on the task force. We have community advocates and nonprofit representatives. And these members are all leaders in their individual work and in bringing these different um, and very well-respected and appreciated leaders to the same table brought very different views to how we approach climate action and often diverging interests to the table. Um, but we really appreciated the conversations and the different perspectives that we could bring to climate action in Louisiana through the Climate Task Force. So, Lindsay, the public had an opportunity to give their input as well as, as in addition to these Climate Task Force members. It, that's correct. And and if you ha did you get a response from, the, you know, did you get a good response from the public on the draft plan? Did you get some good feedback? I was pleasantly surprised at the engagement of the public throughout this entire process. Of course, with the draft plan and near the end of the process, we had a lot of engagement. But even backtracking to the spring of 2021, when we were initially developing the ideas of actions and what does climate action look like for Louisiana, we had a, a big proposal solicitation of what do members of the public think climate action should look like. And we had 171 proposals that were submitted in total. Um, we also had four extensive public comment periods on different iterations of the climate actions and the context documentations. We had hundreds of public comments all together from those periods. Um, and because the task force is a public body, members of the public were also represented at and very engaged in the meetings of the task force itself. So we did have public comment periods and all the meetings and we're very surprised by the range of those who listened. Many of our meetings were on Zoom in our COVID world, and it was great to see so many people stay engaged throughout the process since it was easier to access meetings along the way. But we also had 10 subgroups underneath the task force. Um, we had six emission-based sector committees and then four cross-cutting advisory groups. So that totaled almost 150 members who were engaged in our uh, 11 public bodies we created in this process. So that jump-started the stakeholder engagement. And then, of course, they were able to bring in their networks to the table and help engage the public in a meaningful way. 
So a lot of engagement uh, throughout this whole work. Yeah, Lindsay, I have to say, I um, certainly tuned in for some of the, the meetings on Zoom, and I thought it was just um, a great way to make it accessible, and certainly in these times, and to see both the engagement from the folks on the task force, but there were significant public comments as well. Um, and so just kudos to you on the really effective, really accessible meetings, um, and to, for keeping you know, all of those diverse stakeholders, um, you know, moving towards the, a same, the same goal. So let's dig into what is in the plan. I mean, I know it's very extensive, covers a lot of ground, but can you provide a bit of a summary in terms of what the plan recommends? Absolutely. The action plan contains 84 actions. So by climate actions, I'm referring to specific and implementable policies to reduce emissions. And we provide a broad range of mechanisms that can be called climate actions, such as developing incentives, regulation, legislation, um, stakeholder engagement, a lot of ways that we can implement climate action. So there are 84 of those climate actions that are organized into eight big sections of, and 28 overarching strategies. So although there were 84, we tried to organize them in a way that made sense um, and just, I'll walk you broadly through the big sections of the plan. They span all emission sectors, and there are specific actionable steps in mitigating emissions, first through the power sector, through increasing renewables and the deployment of renewables, uh, then through the industrial sector, as I mentioned, that was a big focus in the plan, through fuel switching and electrification of industry. And then we have methane emissions were another big component of the plan, um, particularly related to our legacy oil and gas infrastructure and how do we mitigate methane leakage through that infrastructure uh, and methane waste as well. And more traditional climate action plans, we have a section on transportation of how we can electrify transit and vehicles, as well as create greater access to public transit and to smart development and land use planning. Um, and then we tackle also uh, the sequestration through our natural and working lands. Um, and our wetlands are a huge component of that, as you guys know very well, Jacques and Simone. Um, we want to encourage the promotion and the implementation of the coastal master plan and the understanding of how our wetlands can sequester our carbon dioxide and methane in the atmosphere. And then we, we finished the plan with a few sections on accountability and transparency, um, collaboration and partnerships that are needed in implementation, and then the economy of how do we transition our workforce to these cleaner industries. So there's a lot in there, a lot of different sections um, that we try to cover all of our, our bases and provide different mechanisms and different stakeholders that can be engaged in each of those actions as we move towards implementation. That's a super helpful and comprehensive summary, Lindsay. So thank you for that. And I mean, I guess just to give our listeners a sense, I mean, some of these actions that are recommended are, you know, kind of bolder and, and bigger, but then there are some that are, you know, maybe things that could be done relatively easily or at least implemented more quickly, correct? So is, is it your sense that there's like a range in terms of, you know, things that are a little bit more immediate and can get done and then things that may take a little bit more time and, and to, to kind of roll out? You know, Jacques, as we were drafting one of the later iterations of climate action, 
we realize that there's near-term action that needs to happen across the board in every action, even for those that are implemented in the long term. So we can take um, even electrification of industry. It seems like a big lofty goal, but there are steps that we can take now to get the right stakeholders in the room to build support and put the right mechanisms in place to get us in a position to implement maybe a more lofty goal or a bigger action. Uh, but you're right, there are others that are more attainable in the near term. And for each of our actions, we've laid out who our implementing partners are, what's our near term action, and then what's the goal that we're working towards. So that way we're not losing the near term, the near term need for action, but we're also not losing the vision of where we want to get with each action as well. I love to hear you talk about this, Lindsay. So you're so confident and clear and concise, which I think is really important. And I think about what I've done over the last two years. I don't think I could be as clear and as concise as you just have been. So that's been very, very helpful for you to walk through that with us and, and to understand the different facets of it, how the task force members played a role, how the public played a role. But one thing I want to talk about with you is now that the plan has been approved, Proved, what happens? What, you know, where do you go from here? Do you get a long break? What what happens, Lindsay? Do you get a vacation? How does this work? <laughs> I, you know, I wish we did get a long break. I'll talk break. to your boss about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a question that we've been getting a lot from all interviews that we've had. Um, there are a lot of different ways that we want to approach implementation. So we do put forth a charge for all stakeholders in implementing this plan. As it's obvious in the plan, and even from my brief overview, net zero by 2050 for Louisiana is hard. And we have, uh, I think, the fifth highest emissions per capita in the nation and a very unique and challenging emission profile. So this will take commitment from everyone across all of our sectors. And for that reason, we, as I mentioned, we have that section at the end of the plan on accountability and adaptability of our plan. So we put forward some actions that keep the task force alive and keep the climate action plan alive as we move forward. So for the task force, we see this as a key body to ensure that there is transparency and accountability that's maintained in this work. Uh, additionally, that climate change remains a focus for our executive leadership and that progress is made in implementation in a way that we can track and see um, through a public body. The, the public engagement in this work was a value we set out from the beginning and was very meaningful to us. We want to continue that moving forward. Um, and with the Climate Action Plan, we see that this is a first step forward, as was the initial coastal master plan. Uh, but we know that it's not perfect. There's a lot of research and a lot of work that can be done as we're moving forward. So we also put forward um, updating our climate action plan every five years uh, to ensure that we are using the, the newest available data, technology, understanding of emissions as well. But specific to the executive, the governor has given us every indication of his commitment to hit the ground running with this climate action plan, so to speak, over the next two years. Um, he intends to maintain staff in the governor's office that implements this plan and manages the task force, as well as urging his 
implementing agencies on in their mission of climate action. So we do task a lot of these actions to agencies, and we understand there's uncertainty, there's limitations, there are very reasonable concerns in that. So we're very committed to working with agencies on how do we implement climate actions that we have set forward. But we are hitting the ground running um, with all of, with most of the actions that we've set forward from the perspective of the executive. Um, in keeping with the executive order, we submitted the action plan to the governor on February 1st for his review. So we will have more specifics on his intended first steps when the task force reconvenes in March. Um, so now what we're doing right now is working through some of those concerns and allowing time for all of the task force, the stakeholders and the governor as well to read through and process and understand the plan better. And we are ready to hit the ground running when we come back together in March. Lindsay, thank you so much for all of the work you've done. I know you were rightfully recognized at the last, um, you know, task force meeting for all of the work that you've done to kind of get to this point, and, and, and as well as the rest of the staff at the governor's office of coastal activities, um, Charles and Harry and everyone. So kudos to you all. And thank you for doing this for our state um, and our future. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, this is in a lot of ways, I mean, there's been a lot of work that's gone into it, but in a lot of ways, it's only the beginning, right? So where can people go to learn more and get involved in the work of the Climate Action Plan? You can access more information in multiple ways through this work. I'd say most simply, you can email us at climate.la.gov for any questions, any further information. But we do have all of our task force meetings were recorded and archived on our YouTube channel. And so that is youtube.com backslash Louisiana Climate Initiatives Task Force. We also have a web page where you can find out more about who we are, who the task force is, the need for climate action, our full plan, and a brief executive summary on this work. Um, and that web page is gov.louisiana.gov and again, backslash Climate Initiatives Task Force. And we'd love for you to sign up for our listserv and get our emails so that you can be aware of our upcoming meetings and events around climate action. Well, thank you so much again, Lindsay. And you know, you're always welcome anytime back on Delta Dispatches. Um, and please keep us updated as the plan moves forward and, and there's additional developments that you wanna report. Um, you or your colleagues always have an open seat on Delta Dispatches. Jacques, can I ask the fun question? Sure. Simone, I was I was stalling for you if you didn't know, because I figured you'd have a good one. <laughs> no, no, I, I had a technical hiccup there. Thank you for jumping in. But I, um, we were talking about Mardi Gras earlier, Lindsay, and as somebody who's, you know, from the region, definitely can appreciate it. Um, I want our fun question to remain in that Mardi Gras theme. Um, do you have a favorite marching band? Lindsay's thinking. That's a hard question, <laughs> Simone. <laughs> I know. That's why we ask the tough stuff here, to Lindsay. Say, <laughs> I'd have to say St. Augustine. Yeah, 
I think they're my favorite too. I love mm. them all. Um, I always tease Thank a friend you. of mine that went to St. Paul's because they have like, you know, their white hats and they march. And I like when the college bands march too, because I think that's different for them and authentic. And so mm-hmm. now with all the different marching groups too, it's it's very, very fun. They play such good music. So um, yeah. Uh, I've, Jock, do you have a favorite? <laughs> I think I'm going to get in trouble, right, as a, as a Jesuit That's the alum. Point. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love seeing the Blue Jays on on the parade uh, path and and kind of, you know, the, the Jayettes and all that. And it's, it's really cool to see as an alum. But I have to agree that there's nothing like St. Og and seeing, you know, the, the talent and just the enthusiasm and just that feeling of when they're coming, you're like, okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah, and you, you just hope, feel it, you right? hope they stop yeah. in front of you, right? That you get yeah. a little bit more. So right. of course it's, it's going to be St. Og for me as well. I admire the parents that walk that route for many different reasons. One is um, they actually walk the entire route, right? But they're, um, aggressiveness in the get out of the way and but but also their effectiveness oh, no. like if you want to move some people you get the band moms and dads out oh there. yeah like, <laughs> i think that's really amazing and um i think about that if my kids grow up if i could do that um probably not i have but, to get um, one of anyway. those really cool jackets simone you know with the, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want a whistle. Yeah. You think they'll let me have oh, a whistle? Yeah. I don't know. You might have used that privilege. Right. Well, that makes me excited for Mardi Gras as, as time creeps up. So, but that's one of my absolute favorite mm-hmm. things about Mardi Gras is certainly the marching band. So, well, Lindsay, it has been truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, we need to have um, one of your fellows back on the show. We've had a great time having them on field trips, and um, we're looking forward to hopefully continuing that again. I know that they even put the call out recently um, for folks interested in the, in the fellows program if they're interested to apply. So we would love to keep that connection with y'all and um, continue to do field trips and maybe have them on as a guest. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. So much for having me. Thank on you, today. Lindsay. Yeah, thank you. So, Shock, I'll cover the stat, and you want to do the voice? Sure, that sounds great. Good. Okay, so the coastal stat of the week is about this very topic that we've been discussing today. Immediate, aggressive, and comprehensive action is necessary to reduce Louisiana's GHG emissions by net zero by 2050 and realize social, economic, environmental, equity, and resilience co-benefits for the state. The plan consists of 28 strategies, high-level approaches listed below, and 84 actions, practical and implementable policy steps focused on the following areas critical to decarbonize to a decarbonized future for Louisiana. Yeah. And that is well said. from the plan <laughs> itself. And, and you can kind of go where Lindsay suggested to learn more about that. And um, this week's Coastal Voice of the Week is from Governor Edwards and in and, and adopting and, and approving the Climate Action Plan. Um, in response, Governor Edwards said, today represents a step forward on a new path toward a brighter future for our climate and for our economy. I am sincerely grateful for the leadership and commitment shown by every member of this task force. They confronted a difficult issue with immense implications for our state with dedication, commitment, and integrity. While creating consensus around these strategies was not always easy, they ultimately chose action over inaction. I thank them for their work and look forward to continuing the partnership as we move this plan into implementation. 
Again, well said, well said. Just a reminder, you can add your coastal voice at MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast. Well, great to have you back, Simone. And, and thanks again to Lindsay for being on. Um, we've got some really good guests coming up in the weeks and months ahead. Of course, we'll have Mardi Gras in between. So we might bring you some and we'll, special we programming. We change our theme music. <laughs> yeah, we should change our theme music. <laughs> yes. One of our uh, listeners gave us some feedback that, you know, we maybe want to try mixing up yeah. the music a little bit. Let's so switch it up. Maybe we'll get, uh, you know, a Mardi Gras song in for a little bit, you know, and just like kind of keep it, keep it, uh, Keep it, keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Keep people on their toes. So maybe some new yes. music. If you have uh, suggestions, you can always email us. Oh, at- oh no, Jacques. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're going too far. We don't need to. <laughs> We're not taking a request. Caller, what's your request? No. Um, we'll see. We're not there yet. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start with mixing it up a little bit. But thank you again for listening. Um, and we will be back soon on another Delta Dispatches. But until then, we will see y'all later. Um,